I'm Bill Finn. You may remember me from other popular podcasts like This American Lice, Daycare Disasters, and The Crafty Brewtown Strangler, The Limited Edition Killer. Take it from me, a good podcast is like a fine wine, perfect for binging. It's season three of the Bait and Switch Podcast. Welcome back to the Bait and Switch Podcast. My name is Chris Beyer, as always with my co-host, Jim Martin. Jim. Hello, everybody. Tonight's guest is actually a relative of mine. I'm not exactly sure what he is. He's either a second cousin or a first cousin once removed, something like that. His name is Richie Conway. Hello, Rich. Hi. Glad to hey, be Richie. here. Your dad is my first cousin. That's correct. So, Jim, what does that make him? Uh, I think it's uh, some kind of removed something or other. I don't know. But I do think, you know, when we start all our podcasts off, we should start off with, I don't exactly know what this guy is. You know, that's, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a good way to start, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little, it starts with mystery. I, I like that. <laughs> Coincidentally, today I've got a t-shirt on that you might recognize here, Richie. You see it? I don't think I recognize that, no. That is from the family reunion that we went to a couple years back. <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah. I do recall that. Everybody had color-coded t-shirts based yeah. upon which relative they, they came from. Oh, nice. That's great. Jim, have you ever been to a big family reunion lately? Uh, yeah, you know, it's, I don't know if we call it a family reunion, but every year we have a picnic uh, in the summertime just to get the family together because a lot of the family has moved to, uh, you know, like Florida, a lot of, a lot of my aunts and uncles are getting older, so they moved to Florida or they're not around uh, during the year. So every year we try and get together in the summer uh, for a picnic just to keep together as a family. It used to be Christmas, but canceled it this year. Thank you, COVID. <laughs> I, uh, who's the guy that says, uh, you might be a redneck guy? Who is that guy? Uh, that's uh, Jeff Foxworthy. He said, uh, you might be a redneck if you go to family reunions looking to meet women. <laughs> right. Yeah. So anyway, the reason I thought about bringing Richie on here, he's a Facebook friend, and he posted a track from his new album. Richie is a, a musician, probably among other things, and he recorded an album. Or Did we call them albums now, Richie? What do we call them? The word always changes. I think I've settled on album at this point. I'm comfortable to just say no longer a collection of or scrapbook of, you know, this or that. No, I, was, I, think, I think I went for an album this time. So, How many songs are on the album? 15? Maybe there's 16. Uh, some are shorter than others. Um, some are more structured as songs than others. So it's kind of hard to give it, a, give it a good number. But I think it's 15 or 16. Okay. I've heard you play a number of times, and I'm always really impressed with your guitar work the one song i listened to homesick was the one that you featured right that's you singing right yeah pretty much just me in a in a dark damp basement <laughs> uh, layering layering instruments over each other that's, yeah. i'll just say that i listened to that. that's that's great it doesn't sound like that at all i don't know that you want to advertise it quite that way it doesn't sound like quite the rock and roll style you're looking for ah. the, the sort of look yeah. and feel <laughs> i gotta be honest with it i mean I save most of my rock and roll juices for the uh, for the live shows with a uh, family band and other other things. I, I tend to uh, kind of crawl inward when it comes to my own music. Sure. Well, sure. you know, I was going to talk about your influences. Now, obviously, one of your early influences is your dad and your family band. You guys, uh, your dad, along with your brothers, you guys are in a band, right? That's correct. We've been doing the shows for, for a long time now, 13, 14 years maybe at this point, but definitely influenced 
um, not only like the, the style of music that I like, but just in general, how to approach music. And the fact that I play music at all is probably stemmed from that too. So, so you're, you're a guitarist and, and a vocalist. Do you do, do, do you do anything else? Keyboards or? Yeah. Some, some things I'm better at, some things I'm not as good at. I try to kind of keep well-rounded, but you know, initially I was actually a drummer. I started on the drums for the family band. So that was kind of my, my foundation. And I kind of, got my rhythmic sense and kind of structural song structural kind of ideas from that. And from there, it's mostly guitar now. Cool. All of your brothers know how to play each instrument. Is that true? Oh, yeah. That was an integral part of our band dynamic as a family. We were kind of uh, fluid in, in what instruments we would take. If someone's getting tired on the drums, they'll be like, oh, Hey, tap me out. Like, you know, we'll switch out. And, that person go on the bass now or go on the guitar and someone will switch in or someone will be like, Hey, you want to do this one on the, on the drums or on the guitar? That was a natural part of what we did was that we just kind of filled in whatever spot. And the, the real beneficial part of that is if we can't get everyone together, we can always manage with who we have because we can always like chess, just switch people around, accommodate what conditions we, we find ourselves in. That's really cool. It also tells me learning an instrument isn't that hard then. <laughs> I, I actually agree with you it kind of all falls under the same category after a while it's just kind of different movements with the hands but really it's kind of the same idea mm. i'm just teasing about that i know it's, it's not uh, it's <laughs> no. not an easy thing to do but i think that's really cool that you guys can can do all of those th- i mean the because the drums and the guitar are pretty different i could see where you could go from maybe guitar to bass that's true whatever, but that's awesome are you versed in music theory can you read music um, not really. I was in percussion in, in high school and middle school. That's pretty much the extent of my music theory. Uh, we had to play things like the xylophone. We had to do like, I learned how to read the notes. I can read about one note every three seconds. So <laughs> uh, definitely can't sight read. I, I have an idea of it. As I've kind of felt my way through guitar and kind of learned things, I was able to fit the pieces together later on when I read an article about theory, I can actually understand, like, I'll be like, Oh, that's, that's what I've been playing. Well, that's, that's just an A flat, whatever, you know, minor, but it, it kind of, the pieces kind of fit together naturally over time, but I, I still can't really sight read music or transcribe or compose in that way. Mm-hmm. Right. It's interesting. So you like me, you, on your fingers, you're like, okay, every good boy does five, right? E G G. Exactly. Oh, okay. Yep. D. Yeah. It's a D. Oh, oh. Obviously, you're not alone in this uh, capacity that I know a lot of people in pop music and rock music don't know how to read music. In fact, there's a company in town here in Milwaukee. I want to come up with the name of it. I think it's the world's largest uh, sheet music uh, industry here in Milwaukee. And I've known people that work for that company. And their job is to listen to a pop song and then figure out the notes that the guy played because he doesn't know what he did. So is it really... A detriment you think to not know how to read music is it something you want to do or do you don't even care i think i was a little vain and at first and i almost took pride in the fact that i didn't know what actually i was doing to kind of prove some sort of point that you can do it without having to know like i don't know it's just like knowing the machinations of a flower doesn't make it any more beautiful was kind of like what i thought but at the same time you hit a wall i think where it just becomes kind of uh stubborn almost to, to ignore the fact that there is a system, there is mathematical reasons why things sound good and it's physics and it's math and it's there. I still don't like 
learning it all. It, se- it seems like school to me when you sit down and try and memorize things and look at like the notes. But there's a point where you realize you can get better much quicker once you really understand what it is that's going on. So it's been a slow process for me, and I'm still like nowhere near people who who are really invested in in that world, especially like jazz music- musicians and classical. I'm definitely trying to engage myself into it more because I find myself caught or stuck in some places where I realize I should just learn what the heck's going on so I can use that knowledge in different contexts. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. You know, um, it's, it's always wild to me that you think about music going with, uh, you know, math and physics and stuff like that. But I don't know if it's mathematics or if it's psychological, but there's a reason why certain things get stuck in your head. Right. And if you if you can find that and, and throw a song in there that gets stuck in people's head, well, you know, I would think yeah. that's a good, a good thing to do, right? Advantage. Absolutely. Yeah. The hook. I right? think to, to add on to that, I think actually that part is really encouraging for me to not almost pursue because the fact that a song can get stuck in your head, you can be the test subject to what works and what doesn't by what you what you like from what other people do in some ways. So you can kind of extrapolate from other people who've crunched the numbers and figured out what formulas work, use that knowledge, not copy it, but definitely um, internalize it. So I think I find myself relying more on those tactics than doing the grind myself. Rolling up sure. the sleeves to say, did you, did yeah. you write any of your songs with the listener in mind or is all based upon your artistic interpretation? Um, kind of. I mean, I think it's always a little bit of both. I think if someone says it's, all on one side I think they're maybe not being too honest but because I obviously um want to make music that really at the end of the day pleases what I want to create but at the same time I want people to listen to it too of course mm-hmm. I want something that people could connect to or maybe relate towards or maybe it's something that they wanted to hear that they haven't heard yet but at the same time because it's just me making the music there's nobody over my shoulder saying hey maybe you shouldn't <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't have this synth loop for 45 seconds. I tend to take strange turns just because it's me. It's, I think it's what I want to do. It's, it's what I'd want to hear if I click on radio. So I, I tend to gravitate into these feedback loops of my own, <laughs> sure. of my own opinions. So uh, it's a bit of both, I guess. It sounds like that age old sort of artistic struggle, right? Where, which is like, you know, I want to do the things that, that inspire me and I want to do what, what I like, but I also would like to maybe, I mean, maybe you don't, maybe you're not in this situation, but maybe make some money from it, you know, or, or maybe, Absolutely. you know, and have people, other people enjoy it, but I don't want to go to the point where, you know, I'm, I'm copy, copying Mbop. You know, I think Mbop is a great yeah. uh, example of like, that's ridiculous. I, I hear Mbop and I think anybody can make a stinking song that can be on the radio if you got an, a mm-hmm. good beat and some, and one of these hooks, right? These things that in people's heads but that then you come back to like but that's not me you know that's not my essence and that's not what i'm looking to put out there so Absolutely. it's it's you know it's a, it's a balance i'm sure it definitely is yeah so what artists do people say you sound like or are you drawing influences from my first thing that came to my head a little bit when i listened to again the song that will probably feature at the end of this podcast and i want to remind our listeners to Stick around for the end because at the end of each of the halves of Richie's podcast, we'll be playing one of his songs. The one that I want to feature for this one is the one that you featured on Facebook called Homesick. And it's from the album called A Sea of Hooks. Mm-hmm. And I guess the, the artist that came to mind to me was maybe kind of late era Beatles. 
Well, I got to say, I think you hit the nail right on. <laughs> I'm a Beatles fan. <laughs> it's kind of a, it's just, it it's what I do. It's what I listened to growing up. It's kind of the, the foundation of really what, and not just the Beatles, but the music of that era is kind of the biggest thing that I kind of reference maybe, whether consciously or subconsciously, I, I kind of have their whole catalog kind of internalized in my head. So it comes out in different manifestations. Sometimes it's, you know, it's more obvious than others sometimes, but most times uh, the songs I do kind of trail back towards them or things of that, of that era, of that genre. That would be my biggest direct influence, like musically. Nice. Well done, Chris. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, so, even even yeah. vocally, I, I hadn't heard you sing. I generally hear your dad singing in the family band, but vocally, I was it was evocative of the Beatles. Well, that's cool. Thank you. I guess that's that's cool that that was communicated. <laughs> yeah, I was curious uh, when you write songs. I would imagine you have to be aware of not copying. Is that in the back of your head all the time? Like, it, that's what it would be for me. Like, wait, have I heard this before? There's these, this combination yeah. of chords and like, am I going to get hit with copyright whatevers or, you know I mean? Cause it feels like there's so much music out there. Is there really anything that is unique anymore? Well, to focus more on the second half of that, I think if two separate individual groups recorded the exact same song, you would still find yourself with two songs because not only the chords and the rhythm and the lyrics and all that, but the way it's recorded, the instruments that are used, um, the room that was recorded, all that contributes to this sonic texture that makes it unique in and of its own, regardless of the fact that the songs are the exact same. I personally definitely find myself worrying a lot, thinking, oh, I've definitely heard this before. This can't be original. Like, there's got to be something in the back of my brain. And I think it's easier in today's day and age to try and do some detective work to, to trail back to where that may have come from uh, with the internet and everything. It's just much simpler. Um, as much as I find myself being influenced by groups, I still try my hardest to not to try and replicate exactly something that um, I've heard elsewhere. Or if it gets close, I would take measures to incorporate elements of my own originality to try and kind of steer it into a direction that I could say is my own. But that is something that not only myself, but I'm sure a lot of musicians always have in the back of their heads. Like, where's this coming from? Sure. Um, One of the things that really struck me with listening to your music was how technology has advanced. So a guy like you said in a damp basement can make a song like you did or an album like you did the quality of the recording and the quality of the techniques that you used, that would have been something that a major label would have done maybe 10 years ago. And now you can do it in your basement. Had I heard this song 10 years ago, I would have thought it would have been put out by a major label. Yeah. Different world today. Every year, new things showing up, the virtualization of like, of, and the accessibility of these tools that help us shape music in a much better way. It wasn't, you know, that's why my dad, you know, after 20 some years, finally got to record and set down his, his songs he's written. Because in, in his heyday, all he had was a, you know, a Tascam four track recorder or some little gizmo that just has the basic minimal needs for, for recording. It doesn't have the, uh, the ability to really zoom in on, on the song and, and make tweaks and minor changes and all these things that 
I think I take for granted today because it's just, I, I didn't really grow up in a world without it, but definitely I would agree with you. These tools are, um, it makes any schmo like me to be able to just sit in the basement and crank out some tunes for better or worse. That's just uh, something that anyone can have access to now. Everything in the album is you or did your brothers chime in or your dad? Uh, no, it's 100%, except for a, a violin part that I had a, a good friend of mine take over. Besides his violin part, yeah, it's, it's pretty much just me. That's wild because, yeah, when I listen to the, because I listened to Homesick right before this, and when I listen to that song in particular, like, I mean, it sounds like Chris said, it sounds like, I mean, it sounds like you did it in a studio, maybe the band was with you, maybe not, I don't know, whatever, but like, it certainly doesn't cool. sound like some dude, one guy does all this <laughs> stuff, you know, and, and uh, so, yeah, that's, that's well done. Uh, thank um, you. Now, so do you use, uh, do you use GarageBand or what do you use? I've gone through a, a whole s- series of different programs to find the one that, kind of works with me. And I started, I did GarageBand for a very long time and I switched to another major program called um, uh, Logic. And that's through the MacBook, uh, Apple uh, brands. But I, uh, I got very comfortable with that program and I got a new computer without thinking a Windows, which doesn't support that format of, uh, recording. So I had to relearn a program called Ableton, which is a standard for a lot of people to use in recording and in live contexts. Okay. We're going to go ahead and play the song called Homesick. It's from Richie Conway's new album called The Sea of Hooks. When did you release it? October or when was it? A couple months ago, maybe like two months ago. I have the date here somewhere. May 11th. Oh, that was a while ago. Ooh. May of 2020. Well, for all those people listening in the future, you can probably still find it. So let's go ahead and play the song Homesick from Richie Conway. All right, let's check it out.
Join us next time on the Bait and Switch podcast for the conclusion of our interview with musician Richie Conway. Conway.